Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other public forums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, and social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Truth Revival. This is season two, episode 48. And my name is Roman Hamilton. With me today on this brisk, chilly morning, we've got Mr. Nationwide. Welcome back, Chappie. Live the dream, Rome. Living the dream. I'm glad we finally uh, corralled ourselves here at the same time. Man, you know, <laughs> it's, it's what happens when you get busy. You got life, you got kids, you've got all kinds of other stuff. Uh, last night we went and watched uh, the, the Chosen, episode one and two of season three, which was phenomenal. Got in late. Um, it's amazing. Me and Corey used to, we used to stay out late all the time. But now that we've got kids, <laughs> I'm not used to staying out late. Yeah, I know. I go to the gym late yeah. 90% of the time because the guy I work out with, he's got three little kids. We'd normally go around 8, but lately it's been like 9.30. So he texts me at 9.17. I text him back this morning and said, I was, I was already down, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm out. You know. So, Is The Chosen great? Oh my! Have you never seen no. it? No. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, here's what I posted on Facebook last night. If you're a believer in Christ, you need to check it out. Yeah. It's it, the production value is really good, but also the story is is really good. I mean, it really aligns with scripture and it's it's incredible. And and, and what the chosen really does, I mean, obviously they hit some high points in the gospels of of, of mm. Jesus uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the life of Christ, but there's a lot of that in between stuff. In each episode they try to preface it with um, you know, we take certain creative liberties when when it comes to, because there, you don't know like some of the conversations that happen, but it uh, it's really well done. I think it represents our faith really well. Yeah. So I, yes, I was talking to somebody like, how long has it been out? A few years, I think since twenty seventeen. Yeah. And I had developed this theory about Christ that he must have been this really funny guy and real charismatic personality because other people people wouldn't want to follow him that much. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's The Chosen. I'm like, oh, that already exists? I thought I had something there. Yeah, yeah that first episode, you know, uh, where he comes in and um, I, I don't want to tell you, you just need to watch it. The first episode and the episode about uh, the woman at the well are probably my two favorites. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. definitely need to check it out. All binge right. worthy. We'll it is it. binge worthy. <laughs> uh, so uh, with that being said, uh, let's uh, let our guests introduce themselves uh, in the studio today. We've got brother. My name is Ben Wachter. Ben Wachter. Now, that's not a teleco name. <laughs> it's, yeah, I guess not. Unless the Germans found He's from East L.A. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well, uh, uh, Ben, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, but, but before, before we do, we've also got Miss. March. March. I'm, I don't have the same last name. We're married, but we, uh, I I didn't want to go through all of the like rigmarole okay. of changing my social security. Yes, it's not a, it's not a it liberal sounded, feminist thing. No, it's it was a, a a personal laziness thing. I think it was just so. I'm March Byerly. So. March Byerly yes. and Ben Walker. Yeah. That's right. You Welcome. said it correctly. Welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. Uh, ben, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how did you meet Mister Nationwide? How did all that happen? 
I met him um, at the fireworks tent. Yes, yes. the fireworks tent. Fourth of July. Yeah. Yep. I rolled up in there um, to buy some fireworks. A friend of mine was in town. Uh, my childhood, my oldest friend from the same hometown that I am, um, came to visit his with his family, and we rolled. He said he wanted to get some fireworks, so we rolled up into that tent, and there he was. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> just, know how the podcast came up, but we heard about it right away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, praise God. Tell us a little bit about about who you are, and just you know. I'm uh, from uh, Northwest Indiana, about 45 minutes south of Chicago, and I grew up on a large family uh, hog and grain farm. Mm. And um, there's lots of us. I have three brothers and two sisters. Um, that's that's about it until we get into like when I was older. Okay. So, that's where I grew up yeah. on the farm. All right. Went well, to church every Sunday, youth group every Wednesday. I was in Awana's 24-7. And uh, that was that was life, was memorizing Bible verses until I was in my teenage years. My mom used to make up these um, songs to go with every verse. Yeah. And they were these great songs. She was a great songwriter, still is. And I still remember every one of them. And that's how uh, I would memorize these verses. So I'd go in. They literally would have to make up new awards to give me. I was so far be- ahead. <laughs> it was so annoying to the other kids. Well, praise God. Are you in the music ministry? I'm, I mean, at home. Yeah. <laughs> I right. ministered a march. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have him back to do a, a music yeah. podcast. He, he's, uh, I, I don't want to give that away, but it's going to be legit. I'd love it, man. So, yeah. Love it. Be good. Well, Miss March, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm from uh, Tucson, Arizona, and I have zero religious background, pretty okay. much. So um, I kind of grew up in the Unitarian Church. Um, it meant essentially nothing. It was kind of more of a social outlet for my dad. Um, so I didn't, I, I am very much a new believer, born again um within the last couple of years. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a true blessing. And I think that uh, it's, it's a strange transition because Ben kind of put up with a lot of my skepticism. Uh-huh. Um, but then you have a revelation. And it's, yeah. yeah. So, it was so I recently gave my testimony at uh, River of Life, and it was very strange because it was on the spot, and I just had no idea that, like, <laughs> I walked into a women's group, and Roma says, um, do you mind just go ahead and give give your testimony today? And I was like, I don't. Stepping and then, out on faith. Yeah, and then yeah. she, I, I find out everybody else got, like, a week's notice. Like, hey. So <laughs> Listen, very, like, don't, don't worry about in that moment. I will speak for you. You know, yeah. that, the word yeah, comes true, is. right? So. Yeah. <laughs> So Tucson, Arizona, yeah. North Indiana. Right. So, How did you guys meet? Sure. <laughs> I was going to art school at the time in Indianapolis, and um, this was during the what? It was nineteen. It was like the nineties, right when the internet first came out, before AOL existed, mm. and there was like there weren't chat rooms at that time. Yeah. Um, there was it was called internet relay chat and you had to yes. know some computer code to even do it and right. there was no pictures it was all just yeah. like text like, this was like war dollar, game dollar style time, right? oh yeah very much so yeah yeah <laughs> and it was it was all centered around um music like 
bootleg and cassette mixtapes mix trading tapes. amongst this group of people. Yeah. And Early Napster stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well, before that, I mean, you go to a concert, somebody would record it, right? <laughs> and then you would have, um, it, it was a really unusual, like, combining of actual snail mail and like yeah. internet yeah. kind of communication. Right. So you would have people that you would send letters to and actual packages. And so we met, I would think I was 14 um, and you were sit- 17. Yeah, I was 18? 17. No, uh, 17. Yeah. Went to college when I was 17. Wow. And uh, we were pen pals for five, six years wow. before we actually met. That's so, cool. That is cool. That's and, pretty cool. Yeah. So we met in college when I was in college and um and took a leap of faith. <laughs> oh yeah, she I was at that point living in Champaign, Illinois, and she came to visit for a weekend. Um that was the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love at first sight, huh? It was, uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. So then we moved to um, Tucson, Arizona, which is where she is from. I had never been there before. And now that's a drastic change from from the northern area. It was. (laughs) And um, Tucson, which you'll find out in a minute, was a very different place back then. Very different. Than it is today. Yeah. In just a 20, we were there 23 years. Yeah, about that. Wow. And then you'll find out why we had to leave as we go. So so, um, Ben and I had lunch. Uh, about a month or two back and we talked about him coming to do uh, his music podcast and the more we talked and he said hey March is really versed in in the topic of you know a lot of people that are out in the world right now I mean let's just be real there it, it's it's hell on wheels man mm-hmm. uh, the darkness and and things that are going on uh the enemy's coming after our young people, after the family, after kids, and a lot of people have had enough and are fed up and are like, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to where I can focus on my family and raise my family in a godly environment and, and not have to deal with this." So, a lot of people are 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 seeking and praying and being led by the Lord to different areas and places that are safe havens. I feel in the spiritual realm. Uh, Ben and I were talking before the podcast about how Teleco's always been known for for sparking revivals, and there's an anointing here in the spirit mm-hmm. for new beginnings and new birth in mm-hmm. this area. So uh, we had talked about you guys coming on and just talking about, hey, why, how you feel like the Lord said, hey, it's time to go. Right. And how you got here. Right. Because the Lord is speaking to his church. I feel the anointing of the spirit of God right now. Yeah. The yes. Lord is speaking to his church. Rise up. And follow me. Yeah. Because yeah. what does he say in the scriptures? He tells the disciples, follow me. Yeah. Follow me. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to his remnant and he's calling his people out. Follow me. So you guys heard the voice. Follow me. I think I heard the voice. March heard, March, <laughs> March heard the voice before she knew who the voice was from. I, and found out who the voice again. was from it's in unreal. the car on the way here. Wow. And I heard it before that. Wow. It's It started, I think my awakening and coming to God started far before I understood what I was experiencing. And I, and I would call it intuition, right? Right. Like I think women are always told like, Oh, trust your intuition, trust your intuition. Instead of being like, Hey, trust God, like your intuition, that internal voice, that isn't you. You are not, you're not redeemed. Like we don't have this. I, I don't believe that I've been given a sixth sense that allows me to feel things that aren't coming from a, 
a higher power now. Right. I I I very much believe that like we've been we've been drastically misled on so many things and Jiminy Cricket. Oh my goodness, it's mm. the awakening <laughs> is so huge. Once you start to peel away the layers of the systemic lies that we've been told as a culture as yeah. as um and and it's gotten it's like on hyperspeed now the the lies that are coming at us and that are coming at our children and um that awakening for me happened many years ago when it came so i i think like the truth of it goes back to the fact that like i had a lot of medical issues um i struggled with infertility i had a lot i had a lot of surgeries i was uh, in and out of the hospital for about 5 years and i had about 11 surgeries in five years. So I was really, really, I became very um, familiar with the medical system and the difficulties that I was having with being heard in the medical system that, and I, I, so my other background is I was a special education teacher. I have a master's in severe multiple special education. So yeah. I also Um, teach special education. Do you? Yes. Um, And one of the things that I, became very aware of early on was I was listening to parents. I was listening to parents talk about, and I, I specialized in working with kids with autism. So, um, I listened to parents, I listened to their stories and I listened to the issues that were coming up over and over and over again, which all kind of, and I, I don't want to like put anything on blast, but like all came back to our well check baby visits. And, um, so I became aware of that, and and I think that this kind of ties into our move, because I knew that something was going to come for adults eventually. That we were not this the, that it wasn't going to just be kids. That we had something that was going to happen globally and and a big deal and um, prevent us from living our lives in a normal way. Ben and I always wanted to travel. Our dream since we didn't have kids, we were like, all right, let's if we're not going to have kids. We're going to have some animals and then we're going to go see the world. Like we're going to, whatever we do, we're going to experience the world. Um, and I quit teaching, uh, and we opened our own business. So we had the opportunity to like do the, go see the world. Then when 2019 hit, it was like the crazy awakening that we, Mm. something, something big was happening with Mm. COVID. Um, and, it it shook me big time and and it sent me on like a path of realizing that that we either we're going to have to like make a change in order t- to live a more fulfilling life uh and i'm getting way ahead of myself at this point i realize i'm kind of all over the place well when you <laughs> said that the the baby well visits you just right. You're, Did I pass over it? You, well, you just didn't mention that that it's it's the V word that you're talking right. about. Right, it's the V word, <laughs> and I I I knew that I Can I, I say had it? yeah go vaccines. Okay. Yes, okay. I didn't know. I don't know, you know what you your like you limitations know. are. <laughs> we don't want you getting banned. <laughs> hey, listen, it's called truth revival. We don't care. Right. If they okay. ban us, is they'll ban us, right? right. So, you know, I uh, I guess you can blatantly call me an anti-vaxer. Um, I am very much averse to like the the science the science right like our our belief in just like scientism I'm I don't I don't do it so um and it came from experience like I grew up I I have 
obvious vaccine injuries. I've watched kids go through it. Mm. One of my best friends from high school, I watched her son regress horribly and now has terrible problems. Um, so, so it's very much in our faces and, and there's a lot of denial. However, like this kind of goes into the fact that like, so we, so if I go back even further, I, I taught for about seven years and then both of us realized that we needed something different in our lives. So we opened, we opened a business together. We, we took a leap of faith and opened, um, an aquarium store. Yeah. You sold reptiles, right? We sold, um, fish, fish, um, that's another whole thing. We were doing something very different in that industry where we were um, creating worlds um, based on kind of the laws of nature and um, with live plants and doing everything very naturally with no antibiotics and no colored or dyed fake toys or castles. We were oh, like okay. anti that. Okay. And we became known for that. Oh, well, cool. Cool. And because we were like one of only two stores in the country, like doing that, we kind of became very, fairly successful, fairly fast. Wow. Um, yeah. So. So, and, and both of us were in this place where like, we had a really strong work ethic um, and we ran it together. We didn't have any employees. So for 10 years um, after I quit teaching and he quit his other job, we just put everything into this business. It mm-hmm. became like our child. <laughs> I understand. Yes. I've been there. Yeah. I know. Yep. And uh and it was great because because as much as I love teaching and I loved kids, um, this was also another opportunity for us to like kind of be in that field where we were teaching people about animal husbandry, about, you know, how to take care of something and and we had a lot of young customers, which was wonderful. So we got to kind of meld all of these things that both of us really enjoyed. Um and then I knew that something was coming, and I said, "Ben, if you want to take a trip, we better do it now." For, for a year before COVID, a year even started, before she COVID started, saying, started, something's coming. I said, "I'm watching the culture. Something big's about to pop off. We better go and take this trip because I don't think we're going to be able to travel after this." Right. So this is in 2019. This was in 2018. 2018. So yeah. okay. 2018, I um, I said, "Where do you want to go? Where is the place you want to go?" Because because I can feel it. They I know something's happening. Had told us that something was going to happen with a with a bioagent or a disease, and they they said it in their own words. Oh yeah, You're, you know. So yeah. she Years knew before. she was waiting. And I was watching other countries, like um, Argentina had had put into a place um, these passports that you had to use, where you had to prove that you were vaccinated against like pretty much everything. This is pre COVID, so not that wasn't in the mix at that point. But in order to get a business license, a marriage license, a driver's license, those kinds of things. You had to like prove that you had been inoculated. Um, and I could just kind of see the the pattern with other countries and I could, I was paying attention to what was happening. They're not cryptic. Like they tell us what's coming. So I said to Ben, if you want to go somewhere, let's go. So he picked going to Indonesia. So for a year I planned this trip <laughs> Indonesia. Um, wow. Yeah. We wanted to go see orangutans in the wild. I love it. And so, hike through the jungle and like go see fish like that are yeah. native that we were selling in our store that, you know, go kind of uh, see the whole scape. And that's cool. Yeah. So for a year I planned this trip and literally COVID hit um, just within, I think it was December. Our trip was February. We were leaving like towards the end of February and um, it hit, you know, China was kind of up in, it was really bad there. And then Singapore was the next 
spot that started to show cases. And we, our, our stop was supposed to be, we were going to this tiny village in Indonesia. And then we were going to stay in Singapore for a week because Singapore is a fascinating place. It's yeah. just like the, it's one of the strangest, um, tightest, cleanest. I mean, you get fined $500, I think for spitting on the street. Really? Yeah. They've wow. got like these crazy rules mm-hmm. there. You can't chew gum. You can't chew gum. They're really, really strict about drugs, but like prostitution's legal. So it's like the super, <laughs> like, you don't know what's wow, happening there. Weird, it's a yeah. wild place. So, but they've got, I mean, incredible food and amazing place. So we were super excited, but we were also terrified of getting stuck right. And quarantine somewhere and what was going to happen and were they going to lock us down? And, uh, Ben was a lot more worried than I was. I was, I like, was. this is a bluff. It's, it's weird. A bluff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when, when it first came out, we, none of us knew what it was or anything. So, I mean, I had a leg, I think somewhat legitimate actual fear of it. Oh yeah. I mean, um, everybody did. Let's be honest. Let's I mean, not- fear of the unknown. And you're mm-hmm. like, you're like, I'm trusting the Lord. And at the same time, you're like, what is going on here? Yeah, you know? except March, the non-believer at the time had not one day of fear ever. No, thought it was fake from before it started. I didn't think it was fake. I just, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, there's something behind this that's like much more nefarious than yeah. just an illness. That this, this is a planned situation in which we're we're being led to believe. Because I just remember the first videos that we saw of people falling down like in the streets. And that didn't, I was like, there's, okay, so when it comes here, we're going to see that, right? Like, we're going to see people, and I've never seen a scene, well, mm. until recently, have I ever seen, you know, video footage or anything that resembles that at this point. Yeah. But I also know that China has a very strict uh, policy about flu vaccinations, and that in 2018 and 2019, they were heavily vaccinating their population for the flu. Like, yeah. that's a big deal. We don't, you know, I don't. They they have they have a very different set of rules over there as yeah. far as what they are allow for their public and do to their public. So, um, so I don't really trust any of that either. But we so we we went on this trip, but we rearranged the whole back end of it. So we went to this tiny village because we're like, well, they're probably safe-ish, right? Like, yeah. they didn't even know go. what it was. They hadn't the word hadn't even gotten to that village no. yet. Yeah, <laughs> it was so small. It took us two days to get there. And, and the whole back end of the trip, we completely shifted to another tiny, another Borneo, tiny Island yeah. in Borneo and just stayed kind of there. But, um, so when we got back <clears throat> was when everything hit like hard. Um, it was kind of pre mask mandates pre, uh, it was people were sheltering in place and all the words were starting and we got the six foot stickers and we got yeah. all of our like before the plexiglass, but like leading up to it. Right. Um, <laughs> this is in your store, right? This well, is in just Tucson. Tucson. Just so in, we in, come general, back. in general. Yeah. yeah okay. So we're running a retail business, right? right? Where we have to, our livelihood depends upon us staying open. And, and I'm, I'm a, I was a religious taxpayer. Like every month I got my transition, you know, yeah. tax paid. And I was, uh, you were rendering unto Caesar. I was doing all of the things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and then when they started the business closures, it, it infuriated me. It made me feel so like 
they can take and give us, right? Like they get, they're giving us our liberties. And what does that mean? Like, how do you give me my liberty? How do you give me, how do you give me the business that I built? We paid for, we, we put all of our blood, sweat, tears into this. And you're going to shut us down and say like, go Go file for a loan yeah. to keep yourselves running. Or was it the PPP Going to loan? Debt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. So we were lucky in that because we had live animals, we were considered an essential business and we could stay open. Um, but public perception. Yeah. That was when it got ugly for me. Is yeah. everything. Yeah. We're having literally our most loyal customers knocking on our doors telling us, how dare you stay open? I how don't care us. what they say. Yeah. That's very selfish of you. And yeah. Their whole perception of us, who they love for every day since, just changed in one day. Really? Instantaneous. I yeah. mean, it was it was the most visceral reaction that I've ever seen. And it was, to me, when people can't see the correlation and connection to history, like historically how this stuff has played out when you demonize and vilify people that yeah. are not your villains, that are not your enemy. Um, it was so quick. It, it's funny to me how that whole ordeal changed how community is viewed. Absolutely. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and the Bible clearly states that we, who Jesus is, is community. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We're for one another. We're one. And that's the attack of the enemy coming against, uh, against the word of God, trying to divide that community in, right. in any way it can. And yeah. people just don't really understand that. See, I didn't see it from that point. I was deemed essential to uh, being an electrical contractor. And, um, like the homeowners were like, please finish our home. Sure. Please get us in our home, you know, because we don't have anywhere to go, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> please get us in our, in our home. But, uh, so I, I, I don't, I never saw it from that angle. So people were demonizing you that you were with every day that you had relationships with. Yeah. And that's hard on you mentally. Yeah. That, uh, that's taxing. Please. It, 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 it just made going, I loved every day of going to that store. It was, me and March developed every square inch of it. It was custom-made and curated. We never had another person's opinion or we were in no debt. Everything was us and everyone loved it. And when you came in and walked in, it was like walking into an art museum filled with aquariums and we were in magazines and, and I loved it. And everyone that would walk through that door was just instantly in this great mood. And they were just like, Ah, I'm finally in my favorite place. I had a hard day at work and they would come to our store to like kick back for an hour before they went home. It was a sanctuary. And within one week, I hated going to work. Really? Everybody that came in was bummed out. Everyone that came in, came in was paranoid. Yeah. They were fighting with each other. We had a elderly um, customer who was a longtime customer that was literally on oxygen, had to take the oxygen tank with him everywhere he went. So the last thing that guy can do is put a mask on. Yeah. We had a woman walk in. Never been there before. Never been there before. Took with one her daughter. look at that guy without a mask on and literally yelled. Screamed at me at screamed. the Screamed. And mind you, like the distance between all of us, right? If we're all like, oh, the distance is the, we got to stay sure. six feet apart. Like yeah. Ben and this customer with the oxygen are down an aisle together. 20 feet, 20 feet. I'm another, you know, 30, 40 feet away from that. And she's at the front door and she walks in and she screams, it says on your website, you require masks. Mind you, like at this point, the mask, like quote unquote mandate wasn't, it, it had not been out at that point. And so I 
was like, I don't know what website you're looking at. Yeah, was we would we would never put that on. That our doesn't exist. And we never did. And no. I and and I'm a big proponent of like, you know, medically speaking, we are all uniquely and wonderfully made, and there is a there is truth to like, we don't you don't tell other people what to put on their bodies or what to put in their no. bodies. Period. Like that is, it's a it's a no go for me. And so I I was stunned. I. I, w- I felt so attacked. Um, and then Pima County, which is the county that we were in, put up a website <clears throat> where you could actually report businesses that were not <laughs> following the rules, right? Uh, the guidelines are up. Yes. And so it had a tattletale line. <laughs> so then we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be on the tattletale line. We're going to be like, so it was this, it became this constant. I mean, you know, people were printing up these laminated like neck tags that they could wear that said like, I'm, you know, exempt from wearing a mask, yada, yada. Like we all trying to like navigate this bizarre system that was thrown in our faces with absolutely no information and no real, like, um, there was there was zero reason and no actual law. Nothing. It was was like an experiment. And how long will these people do this without us even without it even being a law. There was nothing. We, we found these masks at, that this beautician site was selling. They were made out of silver, but they were like mesh. You couldn't see through them, right. but literally it was like wearing, I mean, they were a joke. You could right. breathe completely through them. They yes. were awesome. The football coaches wore those. I and when I put those. those on, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm still against it, but I could definitely wear this. This yeah. is like, and, and I'll tell you what, even though I knew it was a joke, and if you looked at me and studied it enough, you would be like, that's not – it just completely passed. It's, I never got one comment. It was, all it was just psychological yeah. warfare. Yeah. yeah. It was fine. So that was when the shift really came for us um, grocery stores. So I had I had two really big events in Tucson that, that threw us into where we are now in Teleco, but – the first one was, um, I went, I, his mom went to the grocery store and she was kicked out for not wearing a mask. And, uh, so I called and I said, look, like I have an exemption. And I did, I had a legitimate medical exemption, a pulmonologist, like the whole thing. I, it was not fake. Um, so I called up, I said, look, I've got a legitimate medical exemption. And Randy, the manager at Sprouts was like, He's totally calling him out. Uh, Randy at Sprouts hey, Randy. said uh, <laughs> he affirmed, he's like, I will not kick you out. You are more than welcome to come here. I'm so sorry that this, you know, that this happened. Like if somebody's got, we, we don't, we're no, we don't even have a, they don't have the right to ask. It's like a service dog, right? Like you can't ask those questions. Um, so I go in a week later and the rules had changed and this, I were met right at the door. Like we walked in and he's like, here's a mask. And I was like, it was one of those blue masks that you're like, what's in that thing? Like, I'm not, yeah. I don't know what bulk it's not facility a, it, you got that from. It's not a N95 anyway. <laughs> no. Right? No. Yeah. And uh, I said, no, thank you. You know, I've got an exemption. And he said, you can't come in here. And I, and I said, that's crazy. I said, no, then, then I need to talk to Randy because Randy said to get him. So he's like, I am Randy. I said, then do you remember the phone conversation? He's like, our company policy has changed. 
And I said, look, man, I'm not wearing that thing. Like, but I am coming in here. I have a legal right to do that. Like you're a public facility. And he really bucked me. And I had kind of an oversized shirt on at that day. (laughs) So I pulled my shirt up like over my nose and my mouth. And I said, well, this, will this, this'll do. And he said, if you drop that, I'm kicking you out of the store. And I was like, cool, dude. Bye. And I, and so I, I've got my pinch, I'm pinching my shirt neck over my nose and Ben is humiliated, right? Like I, this is where we kind of were not, we were not on the same page during this. So you had, you had your mask on and she's like, I turned into the most unfortunate, like beta male during this time. When I think back on it now, I'm disgusted. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not now because I've had such a strong example in my wife (laughs) to teach me how to be a man. Listen, I was like, March, I was like, I am not complying. Yeah. Yeah. You can forget it. I disagreed, but I just was like, you know, I just don't want to like rustle. There was so much of this. Like, I think it was, it's amazing how you can put that much pressure on a person and they will end up doing what you want them to do, even if it goes against every moral fiber of their being. And I think that's culturally where we're at at this point. Yes. So I'm standing in the store and I've got my, you know, I'm walking around and he's following me. I can see him. And, you know, they've got the six foot rule. They've got like all the things up. And so we get in line and there was a, there was another employee that was standing with him when I had the whole mass conversation at the door and he was giving me this like filthy look and we got up into the line and it was every other, every other like cashier station was open to, to keep the distance. And so we're standing there and I've got my shirt up over my face and, um, so apparently you didn't need a whole lot of stuff. So you were able to carry with one arm and, and pinch with the other. I let Ben carry it. I'm like, I'm not going to be, yeah. You want to suffer this? Like, let's go. (laughs) Didn't take us luck. I just was like, I don't even want anything from here. I'm out of here. Like this place is crazy. I'll take my business elsewhere. I mean, it got pretty ridiculous. Like the things that I did got really silly. So, um, So So, we're standing in line and this moment was, it was pivotal in my decision-making. This guy tries to come up. He's got all the carts kind of sandwiched together and he's trying to push them through the exact same aisle that we're standing in. And, and he was a part of this, like, wear your mask, put your mask on situation at the door. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, what? And I was like, don't you have a six foot policy? You're about to walk right by me. I said, you're going to, I'm going to make you sick. Like I've got something invisible. What are you doing? And he just he kind of flipped out and I, I kind of lost it a little bit. I called him a Nazi and, um, <laughs> it was not like the best situation. It's not really what you want to like yell at people, but I had just had like this fill and, and Ben and I had it. We had like kind of a falling out over my very visceral reaction to, the ridiculousness and the the double standards and all of the changing of the rules in the moment, mm-hmm. like the ability to just be like, no, the rules, you you have to abide. But like, I got to push these carts and mm. I this is the only space I got. Yeah. Like, wait a second. So we went home after that and I had a total breakdown. I was like, I can't do this. Like I've I've had so much loss in my life and I don't want to watch the carnage. 
I just don't, I don't want to see it. These people have lost their minds and they cannot, they're so fear mongered. They're so terrified of the unknown. They don't know what's going to happen, but there's, but the, the boogeyman is coming and all of them are going to hide in their rooms. And, uh, and it got kind of, kind of rough for us for a little bit, I think. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, it was all able to be worked through. You know, you just, a fun fact, you left out the part where she resorted to, um, buying a children, an orange children's <laughs> space helmet that played music that went over your entire head and wearing that into grocery stores. That was pretty fun. And I wore a <laughs> shirt that said COVID-1984 on it. So yeah, I'd wear yeah, my yeah, COVID yeah. shirt and my orange space helmet and I'd walk in and, and kids thought it was hilarious because like I could pop the screen up. And if I did that, this is the strange thing, right? I could pop my little like screen, the, the face shield up on the orange helmet and nobody would say anything to me because I had a, it was all, it was like watching this crazy psychological mm-hmm. experiment. So when did so, we decide to like, so that moment quits? I, I realized that one, there was no way that we were going to be able to run a business successfully the way that we wanted to. Um, and that I'd kind of made some like personal promises to myself that, that like there was no way that we could live a life that was dishonest. Right. And that was, it was like being just daily dishonesty. Um, and it was painful because I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And people were so terrified. And I, and, and when you're selling things and you're in a retail position, like you kind of just agree, right? Like when somebody's like, Oh, like that Trump or that Biden. And you're like, yeah, I'm on whatever side you're on today. Like, what are you going to buy? Right? Like it's, just, I gotta, I gotta pay my lot bill. So you're yes. good. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm going to comply, you know, yes. just like with the COVID, I'm going to comply. So everything's smoother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so we did all these things to like, be presentable. Like we adjusted our hours to make it like we would do like car delivery and like, you want to call us up? This is aquariums and live animals. So it became like, we're, we're husband. We've got all these live animals that we're responsible for. If you don't come and get your water checked because you're afraid to come inside the door to make sure it's safe to go in your aquarium, then that puts us in another moral position where we're like, are we being responsible to the mm. animals that we're selling to people yeah, if that, we can't even have a face-to-face? Right. So it kind of, that that was the point where I was like, I think we got to come up with a plan. And I got the book of strategic relocations. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's a pretty great book. It breaks down all states um, all through all kinds of categories, like if there would be a, like a, an attack, a biological weapon, or who has the you know the most you know land mass, yeah, and land, all like these water resources, water resources yeah, cattle, all and ranks all the states, and he he cha- he does a new version every year as things change, yeah. really. And uh, Tennessee was was in the top five. It was very wow. high on the list of like places for liberty loving people. Uh, and, um, and really it was like, that's where I was at at that point. Right. Like I wanted, I wanted freedom. I wanted an inexpensive life. Arizona was getting significantly more expensive. There was always been a concern with Arizona and water resources. And so gardening for us was nearly impossible. Like you're just spending mountains of money on water every year. 
to keep anything alive. Um, and, and so I, you know, I have this kind of like post grocery store nervous breakdown where I'm just, I'm crying. I'm, I'm inconsolable. My parents are really worried about me. I'm, you know, and, and, and what I kept saying, what kept coming back was like, you know, I'm going to have to watch at some point in my life, everything die. Like we've got these dogs we love, my parents, like my, my family. And I was like, you know, and I can't, there's only so much grief I think I can take. That's true. I agree with that. Yeah. And, and I was daily grieving what Mm. was happening to our store and our life and the, the like frustration in our marriage and kind of the, the, like where we were at. And I was like, um, it taxed everything, everything, every area of your life that, that moment in time. And I mean, Romans spoke about it a ton being a pastor here, you know, Closing the doors and, yes. and the flack he took. I mean, I think you guys from from your story and from what I hear from him, it was way. I mean, it was taxing on me in, in different ways, but it was more taxing on y'all because it was it kind of like totally re, rearranged every aspect of your life, Everything. every facet. Mm-hmm. So you're you're melting down after the grocery store. You've got the book of strategic relocations. <laughs> yeah, have you? Had you ever been to Tennessee no, before? No, so once, yes, once when I was ten. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, okay, so Knoxville, was Knoxville. It. So you were close. <laughs> so, so how this in the crazy. world did you ever get to Teleco Plains? How? And, and if I'm if I looked at it correctly, um, Tucson had a population of over five hundred thousand. Yes. yes, rather large city. Yes, Big. you know. Yes, and I grew up there. So it was hometown. And so, but, but y'all's experience and what, what y'all experienced like here, I mean, we had some struggles and there was some stuff, but I think the, uh, based on the census, the population of the city population to look at was like 800. Mm-hmm. Eight, you know? 882. So, yes. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, this is a I huge also, swing. Culturally, it, it couldn't be different. Like I, 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 I think I, I'm just assuming this, but I don't think you guys ever went through this like major cultural like blue wash over your yeah. your city where right. you know no we haven't we're, we're a, this is a red state correct and, you know a lot of family people know yes. we grew up around each other you know i mean on the most recent election or electoral thing um liquor by the drink was that was a big thing mm-hmm. and like it was 56, you know, 44, something. I mean, like it was almost close. Yeah. But like, there's some people that are really upset that it's like, we're going to hell in a handbasket because Mm -hmm. now we're selling liquor. But Mm -hmm. like, but that's been in other places. That's been going on for years. Right. But here, you know, that's, that's our, the battle we're fighting right now, you know, which is not, I don't think that like people out here understand the, it's so the peace. Like I, I think it, unless you've lived in a city and this is when, it, when we first moved out here, I didn't even realize that this kind of psychologically took place with me, but we lived, you know, when you're in Arizona, in Tucson and if you're living in the city, you're pretty much surrounded by just like a lot of it's Knoxville kind of, you know, feeling where you've got these little neighborhoods and then a lot of like yeah. businesses around it. And, um, when you're in that all the time and you're constant sirens, right? The crime there is pretty bad. It borders um, Arizona. Like it's very much on the border of Mexico. So there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of stuff coming over the border. It's, it's difficult. And, uh, 
and the sirens. I didn't, I never perspective take like the sirens. I just kind of, you just kind of take it for granted. It's background noise. It just becomes a part of your daily things. Gunshots, sirens, right? Like it crashes, sirens. What's going on? Yes. Everybody good? This is. (laughs) We're freaking out. So after like, I think we'd been here maybe six months and we live in a place where like you see neighborhood neighbor cars, maybe six, seven a day. And the first day I heard a siren, it shook me. It like everything in my body. I was like, oh, emergency, emergency. And I suddenly realized I've been completely desensitized mm, to the reality yeah. that that noise is supposed to create that feeling in you. But when you live around it all the time, it doesn't. And it's the same thing that's happened with all the things that are going on right now is that these events are desensitizing us to the chaos around us. And so we just become kind of psychologically numb and and emotionally numb and distancing ourselves from our neighbors to deal with the fact that like, we don't, we're, we're made, we're not capable of like, like processing and emotionally dealing with all of the chaos. So it was a good reminder. I was like, this is the right place for me to be. I should be afraid of that sound. I should be like, mm. is somebody in trouble? What can I do? Wow. Feeling. But what was the story of how you picked? It's teleco? Yeah. So, so, so my family um, is not super close. I, I'm close to my parents, um, but I don't really have like extended family that I'm very close with at this point. And we've always been a lot closer to his family. So they're, um, North Carolina and Indiana and, um, his aunt and uncle actually live in Benton, Tennessee. Oh, so wow. they're close. Polk County. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Polk County. <laughs> <laughs> and they moved here. Um, I don't know, like eight years, 10 years ago, something like that. And really love it. So we, so, you know, I go through this book, I'm like, all right, I, and this is at the height of the real estate market just going insane, right? Like there's everything's flying off the market the second it's going up. And it's in, if, if you notice, it was in these rural areas. It was, there was a mass exodus from California, yeah. New York, like big cities that were cracking down so hard on their, on their people, like yeah. making life. I'm in construction. I do a lot. Of, uh, I'm an electrical contractor by trade. And I would say in the last two to three years, ninety percent of my customers have been from uh, the Chicago area, mm. New York. Um, I have, I've had some people from. Uh, let's see, where was that at? Well, mainly Chicago, New York, and California mm-hmm. are my biggest mm-hmm. ones, and they're all coming here. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. And I think that that's it's such an important thing to think about like why why right like why is this happening and it i don't think that it is by chance i don't think it's like well tennessee's a red state there's a lot of red states there's a lot of there's a lot of red right and um so i i call up his aunt and uncle and i'm on a mission now and ben is just like we've got this business. We built a building. Like we owned this beautiful building and we built it from the ground up. It was such a feat. And like 
Ben's like, what are we doing? What are you doing? Like you're, you're, you want us to leave? Uh-huh. You want us to leave this thing we built? And I'm, I'm, I'm on this mission. I'm like, we gotta go. We gotta have plan B. Plan B has gotta be in place. So <laughs> I call his aunt and uncle. I'm like, I'm, I've found some houses and his aunt loves house searching. So she is on Zillow and Realtor and she's doing just like research and look at this one, look at this one. And so I had houses, I think I had like 20 houses picked out and I, I found this random realtor and, um, the first house that I was supposed to see when I landed was here in Telico. And I had some in Crossville. I had one in Delano. I had like kind of, they were, I had no idea what Tennessee was like. Right. So I was like, I got to go see a bunch. I don't know where I want to live. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a friend. So that's the other thing. Like I had this, I had an Instagram account that was kind of like, I got, I got kicked off. Um, <laughs> it was a wildly popular it was account. Pretty popular but no one knew she was the one running. No. It. So it was, it was, <laughs> I'll just out myself. It was called Vares is proof. And, um, and, and a pseudonym. Uh-huh. So the Vares website is the vaccine yeah. of adverse injury. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I documented and I would go through and I was very interested in like researching kind of the correlation between things that were happening. So anyway, I met a lot of people on there that kind of became personal friends. And one of them lived, she lives in, um, uh, Murphy, Murphy, North Carolina. She said, you know, you should really look at Teleco. Like, cause I told her I was l- looking at places to move to and, and never heard the words before. didn't know anything about it. First house I was supposed to see was here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time I landed, the 20 houses that I was supposed to see had dwindled to eight. And by the time I actually like the next, so my planes got all messed up. It was, you know, I look back on that and I was like, the devil was after me. <laughs> like the devil was like, he was riding my coattails. He was ready to come get me. And I literally, I got off the plane. I had a connection to Dallas. I was, I was supposed to, uh, I, you know, I look up at the board in Dallas and Dallas has all those crazy trams that you're supposed to like jump onto and go to different parts of the airport. And it's just really hard to navigate. So I see the like departing flights to, um, Knoxville and I go and I look at it and it says, go to blah, blah, blah gate. So I rush down there and my flight, my flight was already delayed. So I only had like 45 minutes and I get to the gate and I show up and the woman's like, Oh no, that gate's this, you're at the wrong gate. Like it's changed. And I said, but your board says, and she says, you're supposed to check your phone. And I said, excuse me, your board, like, look at the board. The official. Yes. The official departure board. (laughs) And I'm like, it still says it. So I bolt to the other gate. I'm like, you know, sweating and just gross. I'm running and summertime. And, and, um, I get there and the, there's a flight attendant that is also running with me that's supposed to be on the flight. And she says the same thing, like the board, they're like, well, you're supposed to check your phones. The plane is literally still there and they won't let us get on. They had 10 minutes to departure. Yeah. So they said, Nope. So I had to wait. So it meant that like a lot of the houses I was supposed to see that when I, by the time I landed, I couldn't go see. So we got here and, um, that next morning they allowed us to come see the house. And, um, we drove through the back, like 
kind of down reliance and back these. And by we, I'm not there. No. It's her and my yeah. aunt and uncle. <laughs> So no, I still I haven't been to Tennessee. So you're point. still in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. So we drive down these back roads and I'm like, I feel like I'm in a book. I feel like I'm in the most amazing children's book, like a storybook that is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. I couldn't, everything was in bloom. It was so, there's a creeks and streams and it was so beautiful and so peaceful. And I got to this house and I thought, I don't want to leave. Like, I don't know how to get him here, but I don't want to leave. And oh, wow. so we went to see some other properties and I immediately put an offer in on the house. Ben was like, sight unseen. It was like, if you, if you feel it, just do it. It's a and, great, it's a great um, house. What a guy. I've, I've yeah. done a lot of work on it. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <a> great <laughs> <home>. <laughs> it's a great house. We love it. And it met so many of our needs because I wanted a, a multi-generational property. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be able to like offer a place for our parents or people that we love in our life to come and stay with us. And um, so, so I get back to Tucson and I was like, and and our plan was not actually to leave right away. It was really a long term plan. Like, I don't know. Would you say like? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm so fuzzy on that period. Like what the timeline was. But we, anyway, we weren't going to. We weren't going to move. Like it wasn't. It was like a, be, maybe a couple of years. Yeah, we move in. We're like, well, let's kind of see how we'll this plays out. We'll buy it, and then like if we gotta go, we gotta go. Right. And um, so the closing of our house was on October sixth of 2020 yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um so i so ben's mom who lives on the property with us um i go to her one day and she was kind of in a rough living situation at that point she i had actually moved her to tucson for because she needed some help and um so we we collected family like his brothers were there and like all the family started to collect around us right. at that point. So I was like, Debbie, do you, do you want to go? Um, want to go move to Tennessee? I've got this like really cute house that you can go and live in. And, and she could work from home. Everything at that point had gone, which was a blessing. Like it was really, that part was great. Like she could do everything from her house. So she said yes, even though like none of us knew what Teleco was. Wow. Like no grocery stores. We have no clue. No idea. There's like, no sprouts and Randy here. Yeah, no yeah. Randy's. We got no sprouts. Yeah. Um I didn't I like literally knew nothing about this place and and I've made all these decisions, these crazy decisions. Almost like leaving. Abraham, right? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Minus the beard. So so October 4th comes and we've packed up her, his mom in a U-Haul and her up is a Penske. Sorry. We're, we rented a Penske truck, packed it up. Um, and his mom drives this little stick shift sports car at that time. And she had two cats. And so we emptied out her house and she came and stayed with us the night before we were supposed to leave. And that morning, um, she went to load up one of her cats. It's a black cat and the cat it's four o'clock in the morning and we're supposed to be, so we have to get here in two days. And from Tucson here, it's like a 27 plus hour drive. If you stop, it's like 30 some hours. So it was a really, really long drive. And in a Penske, it's longer. So he 
the cat gets out at four in the morning. Black cat. The black cat, yeah. which I think is like, important. Can't, like, can't see the cat. Cats. Oh, and we had drugged the cat with gabapentin to make the drive less chaotic, right? right? So we have a drugged black cat that is now like loose in the yard, and we've got a very serious coyote population and bobcats and like like all the predators. So we hunt for this cat for about an hour and then we're like, we got to go. Like we had to close on this house. We don't have a choice. So, and it attacked her before it got away. It attacked her and bit her so badly and scratched her. She had bites all over her arm. So we get in the car, we're driving and about an hour and a half outside of Tucson, she calls up and she's like, I think I'm going to pass out. And I, neither of us can drive stick shift by the way. So like, She's got her car. Right. We're in the Penske. We can't drive this car. And she's like, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to throw up. I'm sick. I got to stop. So we're like, okay, pull off. We're going to we're gonna assess the situation. We get out of the car. Her arm looks disgusting. It is gnarly, oh super swollen. So like, it's, it's hit it's instantly. Like instant. That. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's yeah. like cat scratch fever. I don't know. It was bad. <laughs> it was scary. Oh, man. And I have a pretty strong stomach when it comes to this stuff. And I'm a pretty good. But I instantly started feeling like woozy and dizzy and like, Oh, this is bad. And kind of like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Oh, we got this commitment. And, um, so did you start to doubt? I, Oh man, boy, did I, I was feeling rough. I was like, I have done us a bad deal. What the attack of the enemy. Yes. When you're obeying, he, he always creeps in like that. Right. Absolutely. And so, so we, so we gather our like, ourselves together and we get back in our cars and I'm, I'm feeling terrible, just very responsible. So then we get, we're about, you know, two hours now outside and here comes the state trooper and he pulls his mom over. Um, and he, she has expired tags by one day. (laughs) (laughs) Irony. So Which she knew about, but she, she was going to wait till she got out here right. to register the car. Right. And, yeah. yeah. So she explains the situation that knocks another hour off of our like travel time. So we're super behind at this point, and we're trying to get to Dallas. I had like gotten a hotel room, and um, because it was more the halfway point, and and it was it was just like, what is going on? Like this is we're never going to get there. So then we our next stop, we stopped at this place and we didn't have anything to like bandage her properly. And I'm super freaked out. Like this is pretty bad. I, I did have, I found like in my house, right. As we were leaving, I found some antibiotic cream. I brought it with us, but we had, I didn't bring anything to like clean this. I didn't know how bad it was. Get to this place. It was the craziest the craziest gas station I've ever been to in my life. They had the most elaborate first aid section I've ever (laughs) seen. And then they also had like every single piece of PVC and like piping accessory you could imagine. It was the weirdest gas station. So I was able to like collect all of these things and get her, I'm cleaning it up. And then I'm having to go sit in a ball because I'm so woozy from looking at this terrible injury she has And, um, finally we get to Dallas like one o'clock in the morning and all of us kind of just crash out. And the next day we get up and we, that was our last drive to get here. And, um, 
that was my day that so October 5th of 2020 I was in the car and um I was so terrified of what I'd done because I put us all at risk like taking this leap and I didn't know what the leap was because I didn't have I had no background I had no had nothing to like a cushion right of like security of knowing that there was anything we were going towards other than it's a really pretty property in a really pretty place. Like right. that was my, mm. you know, and I'm trusting my quote unquote intuition on all of this. Yeah. And now I'm starting to be like, I think you're crazy. Like, I think your intuition is like led you astray because you've not yet given your life to the Lord. Nothing. Yes. Wow. This is insane. This is so <laughs> I'm in the Penske truck and for the first time in my, I'm 41 now. So 39 years of my life. Um, I gripped my hands together so hard and I silently prayed looking out the window as we drove. I think it was through somewhere in Georgia. Um, and I just said like, please protect us. Like, please help because I don't, I'm terrified. I think I've made a mistake. And, um, and it was the most visceral feeling. I can't believe I'm crying. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm, my hands are gripped. Thank you. I'm looking out the window. Ben has no idea this is happening to me. Like I'm, <laughs> cause I'm embarrassed too. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm having this, like for the person that, that was, and it wasn't that I was like a non-believer. I just didn't have anything. There wasn't like, it wasn't like I was more agnostic. Yeah. I just like, I was like, well, can't see it. Don't believe if, I, yeah. if it doesn't, if I something from a yeah, face. Right. right. And, um, boy, did he put himself in front of my face. So, you know, I'm sitting in this truck, I'm looking out the window and I am, I'm not begging, but I'm, but I'm, praying that like that what the decision that I've made isn't putting the people that I love in danger yeah exactly and it wasn't for me like I was like well I can deal with this but like I've have I put his mom in danger like I love her and I don't want to put anybody in in harm's way and is her arm going to rot off right (laughs) please protect us oh god (laughs) so it was really a prayer protection like help you know and 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 let me know that I haven't screwed up royally. And um, my right hand became warm. I describe it as warm, light, warm, comforting, light, glowing light. And my entire body, I this complete sense of calm and relief came over me. And I was suddenly filled with the voice of like, I've got you. You're okay. Like you're making the right choice. I've got you. Keep going. And, um, and I, that warm hot light stayed with me and the feeling of peace stayed with me. And then, Oh, then the feeling of complete like repentance and like, I felt so bad that I had denied his existence. I was 
utterly shook like that that what have I done? And this is the this is the biggest lie I've been told. The biggest one, like the most important lie that like the one that makes you feel insignificant and like you don't you don't have a place like that you're that's the one. And that's going to do it for this episode. Be sure to tune in next time as Ben and March will be joining us again. And we talk about the modern agenda and why so many families are fleeing the cities to raise their children and families. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check us out on Facebook at Truth Revival 37385. For Mr. Nationwide, I'm Roman Hamilton. It's been Truth Revival. We're out of here.